How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. US Q3 2023. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball. And baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does. (laughs) Nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Look at Eller flying right back in. He'll shoot. That's blocked. Garland overskates. Carlson keeps it alive. Puck on a string. It's Riley Smith to the net. Across Eller. Oh, what a save. Rebound. Score! Victory in Vancouver. And these Penguins got that passion. They got that heart. And down two of their best players, they have beaten the best team in the NHL in OT. Eric Carlson, the hero. Real proud of him. I, I just thought we we had a certain, you know, resilience about us all night long. You know, we got down a couple of goals. We just stayed with it. Just kept competing. Um, and, and I think we're capable of coming back in games, you know. And, and tonight was was evidence against a really good team. So I, I thought it was a really good hockey game. That was one of the faster paced games uh, that we've been invo- involved with lately. And uh, I thought our guys competed hard. I, I was real proud of them tonight. Texter, green eggs and ham from Dr. Seuss. Another good one. Yep, very good one. Chime in all morning long on fictional foods that you wanted to eat in real life. And you could tweet us at underscore Adam Crowley at score and Doran brought to you by South Hills Kia in Peters Township. Visit them at southhillskia.net. That was a really impressive victory for the Penguins last night. I don't think even the most pessimistic of Penguins fans can look at that and not be impressed. You're down 2 to nothing. You claw your way back. You make it 2-2. You score a power play goal. But the way the Penguins always seem to lose momentum, they give up a shorthanded goal. Now they're third in the last five games they've allowed in that variety. But they're down 3-2 to two going into the third period. They tie it. And then something that they also haven't done a lot of this year, they actually win in overtime. And the guy that... A lot of people have been disappointed by Eric Carlson with the winner. First, before we get into the broader conversation here, Doran, that's a nails victory for the Penguins against the best team in terms of points in the entirety of the NHL. Yeah, you're traveling, you know, uh, you know far obviously the West Coast area, and you know that's uh, you, you grind it out, you get a win in overtime. That's something that's tough to do, especially now that you have to come back tomorrow and play Seattle, and then you got to go to Calgary. I mean, this is a long trip, and it's a, a it's a soul-searching trip 
And we asked a lot of questions of this Penguins team over this uh, season, and a lot of things were answered in that game. Not going to say that they're going to be answered in the long term right. as the rest of the season goes, but you get a, a goal from your bottom six in, in Lars Eller. You get a goal from a guy that you acquired and didn't think that this far he fit the system, didn't you know play up to par in Carlson. You get two goals from Ricard Raquel, a guy who you know had a goal the game before that, so three goals in two games, and really hasn't done that much all, all the way up to that point. So you uh, and then you score a power play goal, uh, and you get the win. So like the things that you were looking at that were negatives were a positive last night, and you had to travel, and you know what's uh, at stake in front of you. I thought it was a very, very impressive win. Now let's see uh, as we roll into the bigger picture. Let's see if they can follow that up. Let's see if they can do that again. Tristan Jar, you don't want to sleep on his performance either. Gave up three goals, had 32 saves, and prior to that sequence you heard there at the top of the show where Carlson buries a rebound to win the game, Tristan Jari made an unbelievable save with his toe. He was really good. He gave up three, fine, but he was really good. His save percentage in the game, 9-14, stopped 32 out of 35 shots. They don't win the game without Tristan Jari playing well. So now the broader question. Let's say the Penguins win out before the deadline. Or let's say the Penguins win four of their next five games prior to the deadline. But they don't make up any ground in the standings. What do you do at that point if you're Kyle Dubas? Because the performance of the club would dictate, hey, we shouldn't sell. We might have a chance because we can stay hot. But then the math, with only 21 games remaining, would make it really tough for the Penguins to make the playoffs. Like case in point, last night was good for away because, of course, the Penguins got two points. Tampa didn't get two points, but they played Philadelphia, so Philly got two. So you win, and you gain no ground on Philadelphia. You're gaining no ground on the Red Wings, who are playing really good hockey at this point. You can concoct a scenario where the Penguins continue a winning streak here and yet still don't find themselves on March 8th when the deadline is in all that much better of a standings position. What do you do then if you're Kyle Dubas? 412-928-9370. Ah, man. That is a very interesting scenario. Very interesting. I think I still would stay put. I still would stay put. Because of foundation reasons, maybe. I don't, I, I'm, I've been searching all morning. You brought this up right when we walked in. And I was like, this is a very, very good point. And I can't really – I would stay put just for foundational reasons uh, at this point and then hope that you can carry this and figure something out and something else does fall your way, and then you continue to play good hockey and hopefully you find your way into the playoffs. I think I would – right now, if I were Dubas, I would stay put if this were the scenario. What yeah. would you do? If you get hot, you'd stay put. That's what Doran says. Yes. What do you say? Four one two nine two eight nine three seven zero. The Fan Morning Show brought to you by Armstrong Comfort with Matt Mertz Plumbing. If they're still seven points back on March 8th with 21 games to go, or nine points, somewhere in that area, I'm still trading Jake Gensel. I'm still trying to find a suitor, I think, for Ricard Raquel. Because I, I still don't think that they're likely to make the playoffs, even if they're playing great. It would mean that they're still not likely to make the playoffs. If they make the playoffs, are they going to win the Stanley Cup this year? No. It's just, it's not going to happen. I don't think that they would even win the first-round playoff series. Matchup dependent, but I don't think they would win that. I think you have to try to, if you're Kyle Dubas, keep this window open as long as possible. And oddly, I think that means you got to trade Jake Gensel. 
and you got to trade Raquel. You're not going to be able to trade Brian Russ now. He's got certain levels of uh, no-move clause, and he's also injured. He's out week to week. Mike Sullivan said that yesterday. What's going on with my voice? Mm. That's not a good thing, both the voice and Brian Russ not being able to be traded. And he said, according to Elliot Friedman of the 32 Thoughts podcast, who's a tapped-in NHL insider, that Dubas doesn't really want to talk to any of his guys about waiving no-movement clauses. And a lot of the players on this team have partial no-move clauses, like Brian Rust. So, you're not going to be able to move everybody. But I would still, if they're nine points out, if they're seven points out at the deadline, even if they're playing well, I'd still try to move on from Jake Gensel. And hope that the return for Gensel, a potential return for Ricard Raquel, and a change of scenery for him, and he's all of a sudden hot. Right. I would hope that that would net enough in terms of prospects and enough in terms of pick to either be able to use those picks to help the club next year or be able to trade those picks to be able to help the club next year. And then the salary cap space would be able to help the club next year. I would still move Gensel. I I, I don't know what you could get for this guy, but there's one guy that I would absolutely, no matter what the scenario is, get off the books. And that's Riley Smith. From everything I'm hearing, he doesn't even want to be here. Yeah. Um, that, those are rumors. I don't know that for a fact, obviously, but that's a, that's a rumor going around that he doesn't want to be here, didn't want to be here from the get-go. So if he doesn't want to be here, I would see what I could get for him regardless of where we're at. Yeah. Regardless. I'm with you. If you don't want to be here, then I don't want you here. And his statistics aren't up to the standard that that guy has set in the NHL. He's been a really good playoff performer, was for Vegas, won the Stanley Cup with them last year, has put together really good regular seasons. That has not happened for him this year. And I don't think it's because he's not that good of a hockey player. In fact, I think the opposite. He is a good hockey player. I just don't think his heart's in it. I I don't believe he's not trying. Right. But if you don't want to be somewhere, the human side of things is you're not going to be as good. You're not going to be as bought in. You're not going to believe. And he knows what it takes to win the championship. He did it last year. He knows this team's not up for it. So, yeah, I'd try to move him no matter what. I don't know that you'd get a lot for him. But he signed not just this year, he's also signed next year. You get some cap relief there. It's interesting to me that the two pe- biggest Penguins trade chips that aren't the goaltenders have now been moved up to the Crosby line. Mm-hmm. You know, Necessity is the mother of invention. That's a saying. It's one of my favorite sayings. You wouldn't see Riley Smith up with Sidney Crosby if not for the injuries. You wouldn't see Ricard Raquel get this prolonged look with, with Sidney Crosby if not for the injuries. And all of a sudden, Ricard Raquel, maybe his trade value is going up. He's got three goals in two games because he's playing with one of the best players on planet Earth. Maybe he can do enough between now and that deadline that Ricard Raquel, well, we want to catch lightning in a bottle. He's a guy that scored 30 goals in the NHL before. He scored 27 goals last year. Now he's looking like a good impact player again. Maybe he could play his way into actually being a good trade chip for the Pittsburgh Penguins. See, my, my, my issue is, is why not do this earlier? And you mentioned the, the even the injuries, but things weren't working before. Like, this is what my issue is with Sullivan. Like, mm-hmm. you know, why not, why, why not, why not um, you know, move around the lines a little bit yeah. and do something like this before? And you know what? You made a good point off the air, Doran, that Crosby's showing inability to just be able to play with anybody. You know, Ricard Raquel scores two goals. I understand one was on the power play, but he played with Sidney Crosby last night. Riley Smith played with Sidney Crosby last night. If they keep Jake Gensel, your idea was when he comes back, play him with Malkin. Yes. Crosby's line's going to be productive no matter what because 87 still has it. Malkin's got one goal now in 20 games 
Jake Gensel's the second most prolific goal scorer on the Penguins if, in fact, they do keep him. If the Penguins do get hot before the deadline, they should play Gensel with Malk, and I think yes. that's a really good idea. Yeah, I think it elevates the unit, and, you know, you are, you're going all in, really, uh, in a way with your top unit. So, uh, you know, move Gensel down in – you know, we were going back and forth a little bit. I mean, not not in a bad way, but we were talking. And it was funny. You're like, "Oh, would that upset Sidney Crosby that Jake Gensel's not on his line?" And I was like, "Well, at least he'd be here." And I think Crosby would be okay with that as long as Jake Gensel's still here. Move him down to the second line with Malkin. See if you can get a spark. If that's like the last resort, and you know, maybe you have something with your top two lines, and you can figure it out moving forward. Yeah, if they keep Gensel, I would do that. I think that's a really good idea. Texter. We're talking about fictional foods that we'd like to eat in real life. The peach on James and the Giant Peach. Yes. Does look appetizing. Also, one of the more, one of the weirder movies I've ever seen. Very weird. Creep me out. Never liked it as a kid, but the peach does look good. What about the the sploosh from uh, Holes? The what? Sploosh, it's called. It was in the jar. It was the peaches in the jar, but it was like a... Kind of like a, a drink. Yeah, and it sat there ruminating for years and years and years, yeah. and it's supposed to taste delicious. Isn't that what it's called, sploosh? I think so. Okay. It's also very close to a word we're not allowed to say on the radio, so I got nervous there. Yeah, I saw that. Coming up next at 412-928-9370, we'd like you to weigh in on that hypothetical. If the Penguins win out before the deadline, so they're hot, that mean they've won eight in a row, or let's say they've won seven out of eight before the deadline, but they don't make any headway in the standings, what would you do if you're Kyle Dubas? 412-928-9370. Your reaction on that coming up next. And the trade value of one guy in particular, I think going up, up, up. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball. And baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, <laughs> 9 over 8. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. What if the Penguins win all their games between now and the deadline, but make no headway in the standings? What would you do? 412-928-9370 if you were Kyle Dubas. Doran says at that point he would kind of stand pat, with the exception of Riley Smith, who clearly doesn't want to be here, according to Rob Rossi and Emily Kaplan. I say you got to move on from Gensel, and if you can find a taker for Ricard Raquel, you got to do that, because math wouldn't be on your side with 21 games to go. What do you say? 412-928-9370. A couple of notes from last night's game. Carlson on the game winner. That's the damn guy that you wanted all year long. Yep. He walks two dudes at the blue line. I think the goal call from Josh Getzoff was puck on a string, and it absolutely was. And then the goal that Raquel scored five on five. Listen, the five on three goal was beautiful. Backdoor tap in, nice feed from Sid. The five-on-five goal from Raquel, 
was absolutely gorgeous where he stayed with the puck and found a way to bury it in the back of the net. I do wonder how much his value can go up between now and the deadline because he has had a terrible season. Yeah. After a really good year last year, he had 60 points, 27 goals for the Penguins last season. I actually didn't mind the contract. When they handed it out, I thought, okay, he scored 27 goals. Playing with Crosby, playing with Malkin, playing perhaps on that power play, he'd be able to replicate that. Hasn't happened. But if he can score a few more goals between now and the deadline, and you're a team that needs to add some punch to your top six, or you really want to add some punch to your bottom six, and you feel like you're that close— I could see Raquel being a commodity. Yeah, I mean, I think it's going up right now. It's trending upwards. I mean, why wouldn't it be? I mean, three goals in two games. And, uh, you know, you say he if, if he repeats that, you know, say the next two games tomorrow and then on Saturday, you know, his, his value is going to go through the roof, I think. Not through the roof, but it's going to go up significantly. Now, you're not going to acquire him just as somebody that can help you make the playoffs this year and contend. You'd be tied to him for a very long mm-hmm. time. That's part of this, but... He's an intriguing enough player for me, if I'm a general manager, that if I see he can still have it and hasn't fallen off a cliff, that I'd think about that. You'd probably want some salary retained, or you'd find a third team to get some salary retained, whatever. But if he scores at a prodigious clip between now and the deadline, yeah, I think he would be he would be a commodity. And we also know, it's why Rust would have been, I think, hot on the market if the Penguins would ask him to waive that clause. Guys that have performed in big moments. Teams are always looking for that experience. And Riley Smith's got that. Yeah. Playoff performer, won the cup last year. I don't know that only Vegas would be interested in him. Like Patrick Hornquist was one of those guys when the Penguins traded him. Like you want him because he adds experience. If you are the Red Wings and you're young, and I know that you've got Patrick Kane to provide some of this, a three-time Stanley Cup winner, but if you're the Red Wings and you're a young team and you're finally, you think, have arrived, I think a guy like a Riley Smith would be somebody that you covet. That's why Jake Gensel is such a commodity. A 40-goal scorer who also has shown the ability to be a playoff game-breaker. Yeah, yeah, to score in big moments and to, to show up in big moments. Yep. And like you said, Riley Smith does bring that. And he brings, you know, the the other stuff too. The the knowing how to get there, the, <clears throat> the structure of how to get there, uh, you know, playing at that level and knowing that it's a different type of game whenever you do make it to the playoffs than it is in the regular season. Um, if you're a young team, that does that definitely helps. And you know, Jake Gensel, see, like, I don't know. I, I, I'm really – I feel like if they do win the games that are necessary down the stretch up until the trade deadline and your scenario happens, I, I, I'm keeping Gensel and I'm moving him to the second line. Like, I'm, I'm still there. Mm-hmm. I'm still – To spark Malkin. To spark Malkin, Yes. <sighs> I think our conversation's different than the one I'm about to throw out there now. It's like you said if they win these games between now and the deadline, even if they don't make a dent in the standings, you would keep Gensel. I say you trade Gensel basically no matter what. I think Kyle Dubas agrees with you, though. He used the word respect. Elliot Friedman said that he thinks these Penguins have earned the right to be able to bide his time, and they've earned the right to be able to compete to make the playoffs, I think even if they don't make a dent in the standings, he might be more inclined to keep Gensel because of the word earned, Mm -hmm. because of the word respect. Mm -hmm. 
I think he'd have a hard time if they've won eight games in a row or seven out of eight going into the deadline saying, all right, boys, sorry, we're getting rid of Jake Gensel. Yeah, and uh, like the respecting and the earned thing, I mean, do, like perception-wise, I, I think it would be tough to sit there and trade Jake Gensel knowing that he hadn't played in a month, too. Like, like we saw his last game a while ago, and then he's just gone. Like, that is not – if you're thinking of respect and earned, that's not a way to go about it. But I know you need to make moves – but that's just not a way I don't think that Dubas wants to operate. Well, and I, I've been thinking about this too, Doran. If there's no assurance that Gensel will sign a deal wherever he lands, like if there's not a handshake agreement, hey, we're going to give this up for Jake, and we're also going to sign him to an extension, I do think the injury really hurts his value if he's only a rental. Because you don't know what version of him you're going to get. Mm -hmm. If there's no assurance he's going to be there for the long haul wherever he lands— it's tough to pull a trigger on a guy that's a rental then, that has a messed up wrist, and that can abs that that affects you big time. Like even if he comes back and he would come back healthy, you're talking about a guy that's going to affect your shot. Is mm -hmm. that going to affect his willingness to go to corners? That can affect his his ability to hold on the pucks. Like, you just don't know, and you're not going to have the ability to have him showcase before the deadline. Right. So if you are going to move Gensel and you're going to get the haul that you really need to move on from this guy. You're going to have to almost have that assurance if you're the, the team that trades for him that he's going to be there long term. And I don't know that you're going to get that. Coming up next, so the Penguins won their must-win game. And they feel like they're all must-win games on this road trip before the trade deadline. Pitt, well, they dropped theirs. And I think if you're a diehard Pitt fan, you'd have to say the missed chances in that game, you're going to be thinking about potentially all offseason. We'll get to that coming up next. At eight seconds left. And are the Panthers going to foul? Nope. They're just going to let it wind out. Clemson wins it by a final of 69-62. They were favored by seven. They won by seven. And unfortunately, the Panthers did not have what it takes coming down the stretch to pull this one out. Yeah, Billy hit on it there, man. We were talking about this before the show, Doran. Vegas knows. They just know. And that game was... Touch and go, really, the whole way. It was within one possession the whole way. Mm -hmm. And then ultimately they win by seven because Vegas said it was going to be between six and a half and seven and a half. Unbelievable how they do that. But that's not the big story. The big story is Pitt had, in a lot of people's minds, two must-win road games if they wanted to cement their chances of going to the NCAA tournament. They go on the road to wake, get blown out. This game, they absolutely did not get blown out. In fact, it was there for the taking, but they lose they're now 18 and 10. They have the eighth spot right now in the ACC. And it looks it looks like their tournament hopes are all but squashed unless they were to maybe win the ACC tournament. They needed more, obviously, from Blake Henson. And we were talking a little bit off air, too, that there are times when Blake Henson's taken out of the game that Capel and his staff, doesn't they don't adjust to create things for him. And we didn't see that really at all last night. He was just taking I mean, him. He had six points in 36 minutes, six points, one rebound. I mean, he has to be upwards of 20 points for them to win basketball games, even though, you know, Bub Carrington had 18, Lowe had 11, and, and Leggett had 15. Those numbers are great whenever Henson is of, you know, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27. Like, he needs to be the focal point. Like, it is what it is. And, we, you know, it, it's been that case all year, and he just didn't have enough 
last night and nothing was created for them. And you said it, Crowley. I mean, they, they were in this game. Oh, I mean, man. at halftime they were in it. Obviously they were up at halftime. And then, you know, it was really a back and forth, back and forth. And then the last, like, two, three minutes of the game, that's where Clemson took over. Um, you know, I thought that they – I thought that they were going to show that they could fight back. They did at times, but just not enough at the end. So it's going to be a, a, a tough road to see them make it to the NCAA tournament. They're going to have to do a lot. They're going to have to obviously win these next three games. Right. And then they're going to have to do and do some damage, some serious damage in the ACC tournament to have some hope of making the tournament. Yeah, I think if they were to do some damage in the ACC tournament after winning these three, they would put themselves in a position to be considered but I don't know if that'll even be enough. You look at Joe Lenardi, and he had them on the next next four out. I follow a whole bunch of bracketologists. They're kind of in that spot in a lot of those websites. And the schedule doesn't provide any more opportunities. Like, they are now can't lose games, but I wouldn't put them in the must-win category, if that makes sense. As stupid as it sounds coming out of my mouth, the best net ranking of their final three opponents now is 77. So there's no quad one victories left. Now, if they do finish in the eighth spot in the ACC standings, they would get Syracuse. That'd be a decent win if they were able to get that done in the ACC tournament. They would then play North Carolina, which would be a great opportunity. It's also the one team I wouldn't want to see if I'm Pitt. Like they beat Duke already. They beat Virginia, and I feel really good that they would beat Virginia again. But now they'd have to probably play North Carolina early on in the ACC tournament. It's just going to be tough for them. And you're right about Hinson. I asked Jeff this yesterday. I said, is it as simple as if Pitt hits threes, they win. If they don't, they lose. Really, we're talking about Hinson there. Yeah. And if you would have told me before the game he goes 0 for 4, 6 points, nobody would have thought that they'd have a shot. So I do think there's a positive to take from there it. Is. That, hey, they were there. If Blake Hinson had played better, they would have won the game. I do think coming out of timeouts, when you've got time to draw up some sets, try to find a way to get him a clean look. Come up with something. We've seen them do it at times this year, not consistently enough. I think part of it is he needs to do a better job, but you also need to find a way to scheme him some open shots, and they did not do a good enough job of that. And so now they're 18 and 10. And you asked the question yesterday, if they don't make the tournament, is it a disappointment? I think you and I were in agreement that it's not a disappointment. I'll tell you one of the reasons why. Carrington, three of four from three. He made some huge shots in the game. The problem yep. with youth, if he hits a couple of his layups. Yes. If they hit layups in the first half, yes. they could have had a double-digit lead at halftime, and then you make it really tough on Clemson to come back. That That's why I look at it as a missed opportunity. Because if you could have gotten a little bit more from Henson, you win. If you could have converted on some of those layups in the first half, you probably win the game. It's going to be tough. You know, it is. But I, I, I like you said, uh, the question to Jeff yesterday, is this a disappointment if they don't make it to the tournament? I, I mean, no. I mean, looking what they got out of their guard play this year and, you know, especially two young guys. And, um, but underneath, like Federico, Federico, he, he, you know, he's got to get stronger. I mean, he, he's got to dominate the boards. He can – He to me, like, I, I watch it. I'm like, he can be a really good player. But it's either confidence, it's 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 – you know, strength, it's something that, you know, he just doesn't. I mean, having, what did he have? He had four rebounds. I mean, he needs to be 10 rebounds. Yeah, he does. And like, it it's tough to say that I don't like doing this with college guys, right? Because they're college guys. Now, NIL changes it a little bit because they're getting some money, so you feel like you can criticize them a little bit more. The way I look at Federico is he's my number two guy at the five. 
Like if he's if he's your second center, I think you're in a really good spot. Mm-hmm. But they had him play 23 minutes last night. That's just he he's going to have some blocks. He always does. He's going to contribute with a few rebounds. But I, I just I don't think he's a guy you want in your starting lineup day in and day out. I just don't. Uh, no offense to you, Federico. Federico, I think you got a place on a Power Five team. I just don't think he should be starting. Mm-hmm. And that's an area that they'll need to improve next year. The other thing is, when we talk about disappointment, if Carrington and Lowe come back, it's not a disappointment. No. It, it's frustrating because you'd have missed out on Blake Hinson, who's really having a conference player of the year type season. To not have him in the tournament is frustrating for Pitt. But you can also look at it with Carrington and with Lowe as a growing pain season. And if they come back, they're a wonderful nucleus to build a tournament team around next year. No doubt. No doubt about it. Now, I think Jeff Capel, like, his guys like to play for him. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think, I think he'll be able to sell them on staying. The question then is the dollars. Like, does Louisville, who, we'll see who they hire as a coach. Do they come calling? Because they got NIL money to spend. Does a big-time program throw a ton of money at these guys? The answer is going to be yes. Can Pitt find a way to have the money be fairly equal to where Jeff Capel can be the tiebreaker? Right. And if those guys come back, it's not a lost season. Yeah. If they don't, then I think it's a different conversation. Then I think you can say it's a, a disappointing year, and they hadn't met expectations. Agreed? I 100 million percent agree. I'll tell you what, though. Those two guys, mid-range... The ball leaves their hand. You don't think for a second they're missing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's in. It's in. In. What? And their straight line drives, their athleticism, they're only going to get better. You've got That's the whole offseason right there. Absolutely, man. Like, I mean, whatever you take from the season, you got to take that. We need to get those guys back because just like you said, like if we get those guys back, we can build around them. Mm-hmm. That, they're, they're building blocks for the pit basketball team. They are building blocks for the future, and at least next year for the pit basketball team, you got to get those guys back. You know, here's a texture. They're eighth in a terrible conference. It's definitely a disappointment. I'm not in agreement with this groupthink echo chamber nonsense that the ACC is that bad. I just I don't buy it. I watch Big 12 basketball every night. I watch ACC basketball every night. I think they're both really good conferences. Different styles of play. The ACC, I think, is a really good basketball conference. Pitt's a good basketball team. I think Syracuse is an okay basketball team. Wake Forest should be cemented in the tournament. And I saw there in the last four in. That's a good team. Clemson, we just saw a good team. Duke's a good team. NC State's a tough out. Like It's not a bad league. They're eighth in the conference. I get it. And that's frustrating. They're also playing basketball that matters with a young roster. You've got mm-hmm. Blake Hinson. It's a young roster. That's a reality. They wouldn't have lost to Missouri if they played them now. And that might be a loss that keeps them out of the tournament. It's the worst team, maybe, one of them, in Power 5. They would not have lost that game if they played them now. But they lost it because they were young early. You have to look at this thing. You can't just say, oh, they're eighth in the conference. No, the context, I think, matters. And I'm not sitting here as a pit defender. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. Coming up next, the NFL Combine, baby, in full swing, which means you've got coaches talking, you've got GMs talking. How about a former GM that says there is a quarterback out there that if he were to join the Pittsburgh Steelers would make them an immediate championship contender? Do we agree with that? Who's the player? Who said it? We'll talk about it next. 50-minute mark on the fan brought to you by South Hills Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Route 19 in Peters Township celebrating 50 years 
in the South Hills. Ray Fittipaldo going to join us at 8 o'clock on the fan hotline presented by Sullivan Super Service, Pittsburgh trusted plumbing and HVAC provider for over 50 years. So it's the combine and nobody's working out yet. Nobody's running around in their underpants. So the newsy stuff is coming from general managers and head coaches who are all taking the podium. Unfortunately, Omar Khan had a death in the family, so he's been unable to be out there at this point. I don't know if he's going to be out there at any point. So well wishes go out to him, but Mm -hmm. that's why he hasn't talked yet. But Bucky Brooks, former NFL executive Doran, he was on NFL All Access, which is on the CW before ACC basketball games. He said that if Russell Wilson were to sign with the Pittsburgh Steelers, that he and the Steelers would be championship level. Seems like a bridge too far for me. A little bit. A little bit. A little bit. Would he be an upgrade on the field? Yeah. Does he also have off-the-field concerns? Yes. Here's why I disagree with Bucky, though. Because he basically said, and I'm paraphrasing here, all Russell would need to do is be a facilitator. They'll have a good scheme with Arthur Smith. They've got good weapons there. We saw what adequate quarterback play looked like when Mason Rudolph came in, came in at the end of the year for the Steelers. That was above the line quarterback play. And you know what it did? Got them beat in the first round by a team with elite quarterback play. Like, I know that Russell Wilson's better than Mason Rudolph. Well, it also got, in, got them into the playoffs. It did. Oh, for sure. And I think with Russell Wilson, this is a playoff team. I think with Russell Wilson last year, they're probably an 11-12 win team, honestly. I think with I think a little bit step farther, and then we'll get back to the, yeah, yeah. the talk. I think if Russell Wilson was on the Falcons, they would have been a legit team. I agree uh, with, with that. With Arthur Smith. I agree with that. People forget the reason why he was benched isn't because he stunk. It's because of money. Mm-hmm. 26 touchdowns, 8 interceptions. They didn't want him to get hurt in the last two games. And then that money kicks in. You're paying him $39.5 million bucks or what, more than that. Like it, It's a business decision here. It's not a he stinks decision. Would I like him at $1.3 million? The more I've thought about it, yes, I would. Yes. You take the risk, right, with some of the off-the-field stuff, and he's kind of a weird guy, and he didn't get along with Sean Payton. He definitely didn't get along with the coaching staff prior to Sean Payton. But... To say that the Steelers would be championship quality with him, I think, is a bridge too far. He'd be better than what they have. He'd be a step above Mason Rudolph. But is a step above Mason Rudolph beating Josh Allen in the playoffs? Is it beating Patrick Mahomes? Is it beating maybe Aaron Rodgers next year? Burrow. Or Joe Burrow. I'm not going to throw Lamar Jackson in there because Steelers fans will say, they always beat them. Fair enough, fine. But the other teams. (sighs) It gives you a puncher's chance. That's as far as I'd go to say. That's exactly what I was about to say. It gives you the best opportunity or the, the best scenario and opportunity to beat those teams, to beat those quarterbacks. Now, to and I mean to to beat them is one thing, but to have the chance to beat them, like if if Russell Wilson was the quarterback and the Steelers went into Buffalo into Orchard Park and played that same game, Steelers might win that game. They might. They I, might didn't win think, that game. I didn't think Rudolph was bad, but he wasn't bad, but you'd expect more from Russell. Yeah. Yeah. Super Bowl winning quarterback. I mean, Russell Wilson, that was a really weird season last year by the Broncos. Because they give up 70 points in a game to the Dolphins. And I left them for dead. But then they went on a five game winning streak where they beat the Packers. 
They beat the Chiefs by 15 points. Mm-hmm. They did beat Buffalo. They beat Minnesota. They beat Cleveland, a playoff team. You can't convince me Russell Wilson's bad. You can't. And at $1.3 million, Doran, I'm starting to come around on it. Me too. Because think about this. If you're going to get Justin Fields, you give up a third-round pick or more. And then maybe, maybe not, but you could have to pick up that option, which would pay him like $25 bucks. If you were to sign Baker Mayfield, he's not a stopgap. He would be your guy. But you're paying $35, $40 bucks, whatever it is. Same thing with Kirk Cousins, but he would be probably more of a stopgap based on his age. If you want to build the best possible roster this offseason and try to win for two years, the option might be Russell Wilson. Because at $1.3 million bucks, that's 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 where it's at, Crowley. Like you if, can then spend money on everything else. If you are looking to build the best team. Oh man. Yes. We did this the other day. If you're looking to build the best team, how could you not do your due diligence of exploring Russell Wilson being on this roster for the price? Man. For it, the price. It makes when you talk it out, it makes a ton of sense. The the only reason I would still prefer Fields is because you're taking a shot at your guy guy. For the next decade. Youth, too. Youth. That's exactly right. He'd have to prove himself. He'd have to be better than he was in Chicago. The ceiling is tantalizing. You would be getting him because you thought he could be your forever quarterback, for lack of a better phrase. Russell Wilson, with what you can put around him, he's not going to be your forever quarterback. He'd be a stopgap guy. You'd be having these same conversations a few years from now, but he, with what he'd cost and what you'd be able to put around him, would probably give you the best chance to win this year. I've come fully around on this. Sometimes within seasons, seasons are assessment for what it could look like moving forward. And not to say that the Steelers, and you know, Steelers are never going to bottom out. They're never going to really rebuild. But they're in that weird area right now because they're not, you know, the upper echelon. They're not really in the lower echelon. They're just kind of middling around, as we always say. 20th in the draft. If you get a Russell Wilson for 1.3 and say he's your starting quarterback and he takes you to, say, an AFC championship game, not only, and and you're getting him, he's almost like he's a rental, basically. Now you have the knowledge and assessment that we got this close to Russell Wilson. This is the type of quarterback that fits the offense that we need moving forward. So now we're going to go find a young guy that is just like Russell Wilson moving forward. And then we can build our franchise, rebuild in a way our franchise around that. Because now we have the foundation for that. And it would show you that you are really a quarterback away. If that hypothetical were to play out and you would advance in the playoffs. Oh yeah, the roster was pretty good. You just needed competent quarterback play or above average quarterback play. And look at what they could do. All right, we'll keep talking about that coming up next. You can chime in, 412-928-9370. Also, the hot name right now, not just for the Steelers, but anytime you turn on ESPN or NFL Network or you go on ESPN.com or CBS.com or NFL.com, that's Justin Fields. Well, the longest-tenured Steelers beat writer wrote what he thought was a column saying all the reasons why it doesn't make sense for Justin Fields in Pittsburgh. I wonder if you hear it the way we read it. We'll talk about that coming up next. Fan weather brought to you by Sun Chevrolet. Check out special financing for qualified buyers on new Silverado 1500 trucks. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. 
Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. US Q3 2023. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle, from the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback. There's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. You expected someone else? So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, (laughs) nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.